Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. So great to see all of you, whether you're here in the room or joining us online. We are so glad you are here. If you're joining us on the radio, we're glad you're listening in as well. I want to ask all of you to go ahead and open your Bibles, or maybe you have smartphones, open your Bible apps to Luke chapter 12 as we continue our February sermon series called Foolproof, How to Handle Money in Uncertain Times. And I'm just going to throw the big idea out at the very beginning of the message today. Here it is. This is our big idea for today. Don't just prepare for retirement Prepare also for eternity. See, preparing for the future isn't just about money, it's also about eternity. So don't just prepare for retirement, prepare for eternity. Well, our message today is entitled A Fool and His Money. And if you were with us last week, then you know we began this series by looking at the wisdom of Solomon in the book of Proverbs in a message entitled Avoiding Financial foolishness, and I'll just be honest with you and say, uh, I've had a little anxiety these past few weeks while preparing these messages because of, your likes. because it's about money, right? No, it's not. It's because of the constant usage of the word fool, both in the sermon titles and in so much of the messaging. I mean, the word fool is such a strong word, and I can see how, for some, it might even feel a little offensive. In fact, Jesus himself seemed to warn us of being too cavalier with the word fool. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, I tell you that anyone who is angry with the brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, what? You fool will be in danger of the fires of hell. Now, these are all very strong words. And so let me just take a minute to talk about the Bible's usage of the word fool, because the Bible uses this word a lot, and I mean an awful lot, 238 different times to be precise, and it's especially used in the book of Proverbs. Now, we looked at the book of Proverbs last week, and in that message, I told you that one of the things I love most about the book of Proverbs is the clear distinction between a wise person and a foolish person. Well, let me give you a partial list of the characteristics of a fool from King Solomon in the book of Proverbs. For instance, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22 says, a fool hates knowledge. Proverbs 10.23 says, a fool finds pleasure in evil conduct. Proverbs 12.16 says, a fool is quick-tempered. Proverbs 14.3 says, a fool gets in trouble with his words. Proverbs 14.8 says, a fool is deceitful. Proverbs 21.20 says, a fool consumes or, or spends everything he has and on and on and on we could go. Now, the two most common words in the Hebrew language for fool means not necessarily someone who is, who is uh, unintelligent or lacks intellect, 
but rather someone who makes impractical choices. You might say stupid choices, choices that make things worse, not better. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek word for fool is the word moros, which means dull, slow, and silly. It actually evolved into our English word. Anybody want to take a guess? Moron, that's right. Moron means fool. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us not to call anyone a moron. Huh. Judging by the way some of you post things on social media, (laughs) calling people who are different than you all kinds of names and things, might need to dwell a little bit more on the Sermon on the Mount. I know there are some things there I need to dwell on too. But the point is, there is a big difference between calling someone a fool and saying someone is acting foolishly. Any parents in the room? Big difference between telling your children they made a bad choice and telling them they are a bad person, right? Any parents of teenagers right now? (laughs) Big difference in telling your teenagers they did something stupid and telling them they are stupid. You see the difference, right? Calling out foolish behavior is actually something we should do, but it must come from a heart of love, from a desire to see people thriving, not just surviving. On the other hand, to call someone a fool or a moron, something you do out of contempt, which is what Jesus prohibits. It's essentially the same as saying that person is unredeemable or unworthwhile, worthless. And that's not true because it's not good. Everyone has worth, amen? We say the mission of First Christian Church is to connect all people, right? All people, every person, not just the people like us, to connect all people with Jesus and with each other. Why is that? Because all people have value. And all people have worth, every single person. And so I hope you're not offended by our constant use of the word fool or foolish in the sermon. We're simply describing someone who lacks judgment, who can easily be tricked or deceived into doing something or choosing something that is unwise. For instance, my friend Chris Philbeck, who I mentioned last week, he, he actually authored this, this series originally. He shares the story of a man named Terry Cole. And Terry Cole is the world champion of, wait for it, glass eating. I'm not making this up. He is the glass eating champion of the world. And when he was interviewed, he, he'd ask, what was, what was it like to eat glass? And he said, it's awful. Really awful. Like, huh. When asked if it hurts, he said, no, not really. It doesn't cut you because you grind it very thoroughly with your teeth. As long as you grind it up, you're all right. And then when asked, well, how does it feel to be a world champion? His response was, I am very proud of what I have achieved. (laughs) And of course, it pays the bills. Now, I can't speak for you, and I'm certainly not trying to be overly critical of probably a really good guy, but that sounds to me like the very definition of foolishness. 
It seems unwise to eat glass. I'm sure my doctor would say the same. And so using the word fool or foolish in a message series about money seems, on second thought, very appropriate because money can cause us to do many unwise things. And we see that reality in a parable that Jesus told. This is Luke chapter 12. It's verses 13 through 21. It says, someone in the crowd came to him, to Jesus, and said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or the arbiter between you? And then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. He said, the ground of a certain man, a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus concludes like this. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. All right, let's spend a few minutes talking about, let's unpack this parable, this story Jesus told. And as a parable, I just want you to know, it is, it is not a true story. It is a truthful story, but it's not a true story. A parable is a story that Jesus made up to demonstrate spiritual truths, principles to his disciples. And if you actually look at the context here, if you read the first part of Luke chapter 12, you're gonna see the setting for our text. Jesus is surrounded by what Luke calls or describes as a crowd of thousands. In fact, he says there are so many people there that they were trampling over one another. They were just trying to get an earshot of Jesus. And so Jesus begins teaching, and this huge crowd's there. He's not talking to the crowd. He's just talking to his disciples, crowd's trying to edge in on that. And then one of the members of the crowd gets involved when someone calls out in verse 13, he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And that, that opened the door to the story we call the parable of the rich fool. Now, when I read this parable, there are certain things that stand out to me. And if you like to take notes, here's the first thing that I would write down. Number one, a financial success story. By most standards, this is a financial success story. This is a guy who had it made. And I don't know anyone who wouldn't want to be in a similar situation where all of a sudden they've got more wealth than they ever imagined. So much wealth that they're actually able to say to themselves in verse 19, you have plenty of grain, plenty of good things, other translations say, plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. 
Now, the message, which is a modern-day paraphrase of the New Testament, says it like this. You've got it made, and you can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. That is the American dream, right? I mean, the only thing this guy's worried about is, how's he gonna store it all? And again, I don't know anyone who wouldn't want to be in the same situation. I don't know anyone who wouldn't want to go to work and receive a payday larger than they'd ever received before, larger than they'd ever imagined before, large enough to provide for their entire family for the rest of their lives. That is what this man received. And from all outward appearances, it was nothing less than the ultimate financial success story. But that's not the end of the story. Here's the second thing to write down. Number two, a false sense of security. A false sense of security. While this rich man was saying to himself in Luke 12, 19, you have plenty of grain, plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. While he was saying that to himself, God was also speaking. In Luke 12, 20, God was saying, you fool, This very night, your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Now, here's an important question for us to consider. Why was God so harsh here? Why, on what could have been considered one of the very best days of this man's life, why would God demand his life from him? The simple answer is found in verse 21 where Jesus concludes, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. But you know, as we look deeper, we see there's actually more to it than that. I mean, it would be easy to conclude the reason God said this very night your life will be demanded from you was because while he received so much from God, he never even thought about giving anything back to God. And that is where most people, most readers, most scholars, and most preachers, that's where they would land with this story that the man was not rich toward God. That's actually the phrase Jesus used. Of course, being rich toward God means not just investing in yourself, but investing in the things of God. Of course, we all invest in our homes, and and you invest in your car, and in your your family, and in your future, and in your retirement, and in your businesses, and in your hobbies. But to not be rich towards God means you don't invest in the things of God. You don't give your tithes and offerings. You don't support your local church. You don't support community and charity work. You don't help people in need. You don't give back to God. You don't show gratitude through generosity. I mean, that's where most people land with this parable. And that's not inappropriate. That's not a bad application. But as we're going to see, there's so much more to it than that. Go back with me to verses 17 through 19. When this man was blessed with this once-in-a-lifetime crop, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then in verses 18 and 19, it tells us that he came to this conclusion. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones and there I will store up my surplus grain and I will say to myself, I wanna key on these next two words, I'll say to myself, you 
have plenty of grain, plenty of good things laid up for many years, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now here's something I find really interesting that our English translations just, they, well, they, they don't translate very well. And that is in verse 19 where it says, I will say to myself, you have plenty. The words myself and you are the exact same words, side by side. And that word is the Greek word for soul. So here's how it ought to be translated. I'll say to my soul, soul, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And I believe the usage of this word was very intentional. Luke uses very intentional wording here to tell this story of Jesus because soul is a word that refers to the spiritual part of life. It refers to the, the part of us that I think this is the part that, that it's talking about when it says we were created in the image of God. It refers to the part of us that was designed for eternity. And so here's the significance. The problem is not that this man wasn't aware of the spiritual side of life. He, he clearly was. He believed in the soul. He knew he had a soul. He knew it was part of his existence. He wasn't unaware of the eternal side of his life. I think that's clear from the use of the word soul when he's talking to himself and about himself. The problem was he made the choice to ignore the spiritual side of his life, the eternal part of his existence. He made the choice to only live for himself and for his physical needs. And in the end, God called him a, pool, a fool. And he paid the price for his foolish choice. I told you a few minutes ago, I, I just have a little anxiety about using the word fool so much in this sermon series. And so part of preparing to use such a provocative word so many times is to do a deep dive into the meaning of the word. And the Bible refers to all kinds of stupid behavior, impractical behavior, unwise behavior as foolish. And we've mentioned several kinds of foolish behaviors these past two weeks. And the Bible isn't afraid to call out foolish behavior. In fact, that's one of the reasons I love the Bible so much because when I read it, it calls me out. Because I don't know about you, maybe this doesn't apply to you, but I don't always make the wisest decisions. In fact, sometimes I even do some foolish things. And one of the beauties of the Bible is it will set me straight if I'm willing to listen. But there are three things the Bible strongly calls foolish that stand out to me and I think are so appropriate for our message today. And the first is this, fool, the person who says God doesn't exist. Psalm chapter 14, verse one says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The second is this, a person who mocks the consequences of sin. Proverbs 14, nine says, fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. And the third is, 
the person who's not prepared to die. Luke chapter 12, verse 20 says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Our text is called the parable of the rich fool because while the man in Jesus' story, he understood, he believed, he knew there was an eternal spiritual side of life that he still chose to ignore it and to live for himself, which means even though he was prepared for retirement, he wasn't prepared for the future. If he had embraced the spiritual side, the eternal side of life, if he had made a relationship with God, his priority in life, then when he received this once in a lifetime crop, he would have been generous. He would have been rich towards God because quite frankly, that is the will of God for every single person. That is how God created us to live. God created us for generosity. I mean, that's how Jesus described the blessed life. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says it's one of generosity. God didn't create us to be selfish. He created us to be generous. He, he didn't create us to keep. He created us to give. You say, well, why is that? Well, because God knows what's best. And God knows that generous giving is far better in every way than selfish living. And there are so many reasons that is true. One is, we are never going to lose a thing by being generous. In fact, the Bible says quite the opposite happens. Maybe you remember the words from last week, Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You will never lose a single thing by being generous. And that is a promise you can take to the bank. Okay, if you're still taking notes, here's the third thing to write down. A far better plan. A far better plan. Let's read the words of Luke chapter 12, verse 21. One last time. And again, this is Jesus' commentary on the rich fool. This is how it will be with who? Whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And you know it would be so easy for me to read this and just close the message by asking, are you living a life that's rich towards God? And I could, I could springboard that and, and really emphasize the need for generosity in all of our lives. And, and that wouldn't be something that's hard for me because it's something I really believe in. It's something I, I participate in. It's something I encourage. Generosity is an incredible thing. But what I really feel compelled to do is ask you this question, and this is the more important question, and that is, are you prepared for the future? In that, are you prepared to die? Is your future prepared, eternally speaking? Now, let me get even more specific. Do you know for sure that if you died today, you would be with Jesus in paradise? 
And that is the real question because living a life that's rich towards God is the natural result of living a life that's connected to God. And so before I would ever ask you to contribute your time and your talent and treasure to God and to church and to community as an act of worship, I first need to ask you to give your life to God as an act of faith, to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Remember, when you're preparing for the future, you're not just preparing for retirement, you're preparing for eternity. We're not talking financially, just financially today, we're talking spiritually. And so our takeaway for today, what I want you to do is I want you to ask that question of yourself, of of your soul. Say to your soul, soul, if I were to die today, would I be headed for heaven? And you know, most people, they answer that question like this. I don't know. Or maybe you've heard this. I hope I've been good enough to get in. I've heard this one quite a bit, actually. I believe I think I've done more good than bad. So we'll see. But I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul penned to the Roman church, Romans 3, 23 and 24. Paul said, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And if... You are justified. Justified means forgiven, set free from your sins, pardoned, saved for heaven. If you are justified, you are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. And what that means is simple. Nobody is good enough to earn their way into heaven. You can take all your good deeds and pile them high. It won't be a tall enough stack to get you to heaven. Nobody is good enough to get into heaven and we get into heaven, this is number two, freely because of the generosity of God. The grace of Jesus Christ. The word grace means free gift of God's favor. The forgiveness of our sins and the promise of heaven is a free gift of God's generosity. Just like God asks us to be generous toward him and toward his church and toward those in need, God has already been so very generous toward us. He has offered us freely the gift of eternal life, the most valuable gift in the universe and we don't earn it, and we don't pay for it, and we don't have to be worthy of it, we are not. We just get to receive it. You say, well, how do I receive the free gift of eternal life from God? How do I take that gift for myself? I would say that the answer is as simple as ABC. A, admit you're a sinner in need of a savior. B, believe in Jesus and be baptized. And see, call on Jesus for salvation.
Receive this gift of salvation and God, he will forgive your sins. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. He will give your life greater purpose. And of course, he will save you for heaven. And if you have never taken those steps, if you've never received that gift, I pray you will today. In fact, if that's you, if you need to do that today, we would love to talk to you right after the service concludes. You come up to this cross right up here and one of our pastors will be here to meet you. We'd love to hear your story. We would love to walk with you on this journey of preparing for eternity. The first step in being rich towards God is not to give some of your money to God. It's to give all of your soul, yourself to God. And I hope you will make that decision today if you never have before. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to give all of ourselves to you. Forgive us when we make our lives about us, about our own successes, our own finances, our own future, our own retirement, about thought for you and your church and for those in need and for eternity. Help all of us together as a, as a family of people just trying to follow Christ. Help us to be rich towards you. And we know that begins by giving ourselves fully to you. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at fccfm.org.